at one point in time for that validation, I think I have begun to understand that I was never going to get it. And I think, I believe something that keeps a lot of survivors stuck is when you expect the narcissist to give you closure. And I think that there was a point in time when in spite of me working through that recovery, I think I was still subconsciously seeking validation from the narcissist. I think I was waiting for the day when the narcissist returned, groveling on bended knee, begging me to take him back. And in spite of several hoovering attempts, when I look back in hindsight, with hindsight being 2020 vision, based on what motivated the Hoover attempts, I believe that they were based, well, there's not a doubt in my mind that they were based solely on the needs of the narcissist as opposed to him having a genuine remorse. So I'm sharing this because as a cautionary tale, I don't advise survivors that are able to go no contact to ever again open the door for communication of any kind with the narcissist. Because there were things that were said to me shortly before the discard, as well as things that were said to me that probably hurt more than anything that I had heard over the course of a decade. Because at that point in time, I don't believe that the narcissist has any reason to I think at that point in time after they've carried out what we have coined the final discard I'm going to urge 
survivors, especially those that were a primary source of supply over a significant amount of time. Because I believe that there is a, there is a distinction. There are some targets that may never hear from the narcissist again. But I believe when they've been able to successfully manipulate a primary source of supply, that they've groomed and conditioned to accept and tolerate the abuse over an extended period of time. I think that they believe that they will always be able to return to that source of supply. because the cycle repeated itself so many times over an extended period of time. So here's the thing. I noted that at that point, I felt probably more helpless than I had felt over the course of that decade. I had endured discards before, before I even knew what the discard was. I just believed that the narcissist had just ended the relationship on his terms, I didn't make the connection that it was a discard, even though I felt that I had been discarded. Even if you didn't know what narcissism was, it feels like you've been discarded like you meant nothing. And to the narcissist, we really don't. But before we're able to make that connection that a pathologically disordered person doesn't bond in the way that normal people bond, Whereas for most survivors, they can't sleep, they can't eat, they can barely form a thought that doesn't somehow relate to the narcissist in some way. They're ruminating, they're in the worst, probably the worst part of cognitive dissonance and the trauma bond that one can experience. Like they're really in the thick of it at, at that point. But as I look back, what I see is that I felt very helpless because 
the narcissist feels at that point, if I have done and said all of these things, and here it is, I can pick up the phone and call this person and they answer or they're willing to even have a conversation with me after everything that I've said and that I've done because they haven't forgot. Let's be clear. They don't at that point, they no longer feel a need to even engage in love bombing. Yes, they may hoover, but we have to take the romanticizing out of out of the whole hoover. I think a lot of survivors romanticize about the hoover and what the hoover really is. The Hoover is not about us. The Hoover is not about the narcissist returning because the narcissist has the narcissist has suffered karma and has had this epiphany. Even if in fact they have begun to suffer the karma. or what goes around comes around. Reaching out to us is not about us. It's still based on a need or a want that the narcissist has that they believe that they're able to manipulate us based on previous based on their previous ability to be able to successfully manipulate us into taking them back and giving them another chance. However, at that point, the narcissist feels absolutely no need to respect you at all. They don't even feel the need to wear a mask to pretend that they respect you. I remember catching my husband in blatant lies and confronting him about the lies and there being no effort on his part to even explain away what I was questioning him about. So as I look back in hindsight, I realized that at that point, they feel that They have absolutely no need to even put up an air or to put up a front. At that point, their narcissism becomes very overt. They don't need to be passive aggressive. They can be overtly narcissistic because you've seen them without the mask. And nevertheless, they're able to come back into your life in spite of. And that prolongs your healing because 
when you don't give in to their whims and agree to do everything on their terms, the things that they say are so vicious, cruel, and mean-spirited. It'll, it'll leave you flabbergasted. And then you'll be questioning yourself as to why did I even allow this person to have access to me again? Even when they've obtained, even when they've gone through great lengths to obtain your contact information, that doesn't mean that there's a genuine interest there to reconcile with you. There's a genuine interest there to recycle supply that they don't really have to put too much effort into. It's far more easier to return to a source of supply that you've groomed over the course of a decade, all the more so if you're married to that person or if you have a child or children with that individual. But it's never about them having some aha moment. Even when they have faced karma. Because a person that has dealt with karma and nevertheless, they don't see a need to do anything differently, that in and of itself is a testament to their inability to change. Because if you made a decision and it resulted in a very, very unfavorable outcome, most normal people, that's the last type of behavior that they're ever going to engage in, in that manner. Because they, they've already suffered the consequences of it, or they are suffering the consequences of it. There are just some things that I have done at uh, throughout my lifetime that I would just never repeat again because I know how the story ends. The narcissist doesn't have that fear. They don't have the ability to take in what happened, look at how they themselves are accountable or are responsible for what happened because they're never to blame. It's another person's fault or another person is to blame. So typically what happens is when they return after these hiatuses where they've given you the silent treatment after a significant amount of time is that they're looking to use you. It's, it's twofold in the sense that it gives you the opportunity 
to settle the score with the new supply. Because again, the narcissist isn't, isn't to blame for their actions and for their conscious decision to enter into that relationship from their perspective. So what they're doing is bartering in exchange for whatever self-respect that you've managed to salvage from the ruins or to find. And see, you notice that it's never when you're at your weakest point that the narcissist reappears, that it's always when you reach a point in your recovery where you're ready to move on to the next phase and you're not thinking about the narcissist that they appear. As long as you're obsessed and fixated on the narcissist and what the narcissist is doing, generally, it's been my experience that that's not the time when they start hoovering. They start hoovering when they sense that energetic disconnect. They may lack empathy, but I believe that they use their empathic ability, their, in my opinion, very intuitive. This is, it's often asked what alerts the narcissist to the fact that they must discard you or what sets the devaluation in motion. Well, you'll never know what set the devaluation in motion because once they realize that they have you uh, uh, pretty much under their spell, the devaluation has already begun. They just haven't discarded you or they just haven't quite yet. You know, at, at that point, there's a lot of cognitive dissonance going on within the within the target. So they're going above and beyond to try to get back that person that idealized them that person that was love bombing them. So it's not likely that um, they're going to be doing anything because they're too busy walking on eggshells and in an effort to appease and acquiesce to the narcissist at that point. That's often why they don't see it coming because it's from their perspective, they're doing everything. That, that, that they can to try to save the relationship and try to acquiesce to the narcissist. So why would they do that at that time? Um, I do know that these individuals harbor a resentment like nobody's business. Very, very vindictive. in a very, very sinister way. 
So I believe that their whole intent is to use you to gaslight the new primary source of supply. So they're attempting to recruit you. Even I experienced this even as a spouse. Where they're pretty much, they're not apologizing for anything. They're not even denying what you're accusing them of. If you're saying, hey, you know, I don't believe that, you know, you're on the up and up. They're not even going to argue with you because again, if you made the decision to take them back after everything that they've said and done, well, they don't feel the need to put forth a lot of effort to show you any respect at all at that point. And what self-esteem and what self-respect you were able to muster in that time before they began that Hoover. Well, you know, as far as the narcissist is concerned, you know, um, they don't feel the need to wear the mask anymore. They don't have to be, they don't have to do the things that they did passive aggressively. They can be very covert. They can be very, very overt with their narcissism and just show a blatant disregard for your feelings. They don't even feel the need to lie, much less apologize for anything. So I say that to say, once you have closed that door and you're no longer communicating with them, and there will be times when you will struggle with maintaining no contact. But if I could encourage or had a piece of advice to give any survivor, it's that if you have the ability to go no contact, and that includes looking on their social media profiles, asking third parties or giving information to third parties that you know is in contact with the narcissist, that is, is not a good idea. Because in all actuality, once you have, once you, and see, this is how intuitive they are. This is where it's um, very important to be able to grasp the concept that they are very intuitive. They lack empathy. They don't lack intuitiveness. So to fiend forgiveness or that, you know, I'm, I have seen instances where the narcissist had a secondary source of supply and the woman was basically begging the narcissist, reminding him that she was an understanding and loving and forgiving woman. And that even though he had lied to her about me, that she would forgive him and love him nonetheless. And that was the last that she had ever, that she ever heard from him.
So I, I, I witnessed how cruel and how heartless they can be. I, 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 I read letters from the woman where she was talking about if it were not for her son, she would not. These people can actually drive other people to commit suicide. That's just how horrific their treatment of, of other human beings are. And because we've been conditioned to compete for men, because we're not on the receiving end anymore. Like I said, that goes, there's a, there's a hidden agenda. They want to use you to triangulate with other sources of narcissistic supply. to put them in line. And what better way to do that than to, for them to find out that the narcissist has had some involvement with the same person that they call crazy, a stalker, and all of the other colorful expressions that they use to describe uh, the women that they've uh, manipulated and used and abused. Um, and that's all for now. I just wanted to uh, give you all that, you know, tip and hopefully, you know, it helps someone to be able to plan how they exit the relationship before the narcissist has the opportunity to or to at least be aware that every effort to make contact. And I think a lot of Targets have that part confused where they believe that simply because the narcissist reached out and was communicating with them, that that's indicative of that being a Hoover. A Hoover is when they're over your head like a helicopter. Not only are they calling you and contacting you, but they're having their flying monkeys acting, acting on their behalf because at that point they, they feel like they're they, they sense that they're losing control. So it's not a casual phone call or a casual text message. It's enough for them to have stalking charges filed against them. It's nonstop, incessant calling and communication. I don't care if it's over a course of days. I don't care. I've seen it go on for weeks. And the longer the target withholds, the more intense the, 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 the attempts to communicate become. Again, because at that point they sense that they're losing control. So it sort of sends them into a panic, not a panic because they're losing a person that they love. It's panic because they're losing control and I don't have control over my target anymore.
the object of my abuse, I don't have control over them anymore. It's not just a, a text message saying, hey, how you doing? What's going on? There's really, you know, they say that all day long without any emotion behind it. So that's not that's not necessarily significant. Hoovering is when you they they it, it's to the point to where you know your family members are at that point beginning to notice and say you know hey that's not normal or this guy is might not be wrapped too tight or they'll say why you know why is he calling you in that way those that are emotionally healthy will know right off the bat that that's not normal. I don't care how much they miss you. That's going to send off red flags to an, an emotionally and mentally healthy person that 